promise is true, lean on his promise. Turn around, say hi to somebody, say, hey, welcome to HSSC, and God bless you. HSSC. Testing, one, two. I use my hands. I talk with my hands. Yeah. Hello? Let's try it this way first. Let's just try it this way. Okay. Um, I hope this doesn't have the budget to pay for another one. Okay. So welcome last week. We uh, talked about, uh, we talked about uh, a do-over. And it was our, la- it was our first actual service last week. It was very exciting. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you start a church, but God does. And so I did not expect last week, and I'll be very honest with you, I did not expect today. This is amazing, uh, the turnout that you are coming out for this. Now, this is something that is new, and it's a little different. Uh, As we talked last week, we talked about do-overs and what that looks like. We also talked about my role as a pastor. Uh, we went into, uh, and we're going to try to get that online, but we went into what does a pastor do? And Jesus gives very specific instructions to Peter on the role of a pastor, and that is to feed the sheep. It's to take care of the sheep. So in order for me to do that, I need to know you. I want to know you. I want to hang out with you. I want to do life with you. I want you to do life with me. A really easy way to do that is you could put this on one of our connection cards, your information. You could say, I'd like to meet with Pastor James. I'm also going to do something very, very unusual that you probably don't see it uh, very often at churches. Uh, I would like to, at this point, uh, I think, I'd like to, at this point, uh, give you my cell phone number. So if you could take a pen and paper or one of these. My number is area code 949-701-3995. That's my number. 949 949- 7013995. Now, if you could just please let me know your name, that would be great. So I go, Pastor James, oh my gosh, good to see you. I'm gonna be like, I don't know who you are. I've never been in the, the fun thing. So let me know your name so I know who you are. But this is really a sign that um, I think I'm gonna have to do the handheld. Hello? Testing. I don't like using the handhelds because I feel like I'm reporting live, Stormwatch 29. You know, all right. So, um, but I, want, I wanted to give you my number because I want to do life with you. I'm not just saying that. This is not a sales pitch. This is something that I am supposed to do. This is the responsibility God has given me uh, to serve you is to know you, is to do life with you. So uh, if you want, we'd love to hang out. Somebody asked me, hey, where is your office? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it's Proud Mary's in the harbor or Wind and Sea. 
Starbucks, Schwack. Anybody like Schwack Burger? I love Schwack Burger. I'd love to meet you there. Uh, but anywhere like that, that would do just fine. But we are going to do this together. It's literally going to be a community. We will do this together. And that is one of the things I'm so excited about as we build this church and then eventually as we build more campuses in the area. Now, but we did start last week about do-over, getting a do-over, and we're going to continue that series on do-over. And today we're going to talk about something that might be a little cringeworthy for some of you to talk about. It's owning your own stuff. This is tough. Does anybody have a struggle with owning their own piece of the pie, with owning their own stuff? Anybody have a struggle with that? Okay, I love that. You know, you can tell the people that, that have a problem as they go, I don't, but I know somebody who does. I'm good, but, you know, you know, Carol really needs to hear this message because she struggles with it. I'm good. But we all have a thing about us that we struggle with owning our own part. We're going to get into why we do that, but we're also going to get into what does God's word say about how important it is if you really want to do over to own your own stuff. Now, I'll give you one example of maybe once where I didn't own my own stuff. Okay, picture it. Uh, it's uh, the, uh, the early 2000s. I am working for Nextel Communications. Uh, I, am, I am getting promoted kind of rather quickly. I'm feeling good about myself. And so uh, I had a, an appointment in a meeting. The office is in Irvine. I have the meeting in Newport Beach. So I'm like, I don't really need to prepare that much. I'm doing all right. But I got in late to the office. I'm kind of looking it over the notes. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I got it. And all of a sudden I looked and I was late for the meeting. And I was going to run, I was running late. So if you ever do this, I've done this a lot. When you're driving and you're late, everybody doesn't know how to drive. Do you ever notice this? Like you're on the road and how come nobody knows how to drive? I don't understand. This is ridiculous. Oh my goodness. They take away the license. So I'm at a stoplight and nobody is coming across the street. And, um, and, and I'm like, look, nobody's, nobody's going. So, and there's a car right in front of me. And I'm thinking, look, nobody's going. Just turn right. Just stop and then turn right. I don't understand why this person clearly does not know how to drive. So I'm like kind of motioning my hands like, look, hello, there's nobody there. Nothing. So then I start to lay on the horn a little bit. And then a lot. And there's a point where I'm like, uh, uh, uh. People like they're eating at Subway. They're walking out like, what's going on? Little taco place. They're walking out. What's going on? And I am laying on the horn. I'm like literally like, look, there's nobody there. Let's go. Hurry up. Then uh, he, he takes his hand out of the window and motions to a sign using uh, not the index finger, uh, another finger. And with that finger shows me the sign that says no turn on red. And I felt so dumb. And then it's one of those things where you start looking at your phone. You're like, oh, wow, that's weird. I'm not, you know, you're pretty, like acting like uh, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. So I get to the uh, meeting, and they said, what happened? I'm like, you wouldn't believe it. Well, well, why are you late? This rude guy did not know how to drive, and he gave me an, an, a certain finger that's not very appropriate. I can't believe he did that. And everybody's like, I can't believe he did that either. That's so weak. That is so terrible. Like, I know, right? Now, I didn't tell them the whole part of the story, but, you know, I was like, I didn't really own my part. But they were like, man, that's, you know, people really don't know how to drive in Orange County. I'm like, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, that's ridiculous. And so I left going, oh, you know what, did I tell the truth? Kind of. But did I tell the whole truth? No. Now, 
we are going to get into why that is so crucial. Uh, want to find a person or a group of people inside of us that refuse to own our own part. We automatically uh, want to find a person or a group of people or a circumstance to be at fault. But if we're going to get a do-over, which we know Jesus offers us, we don't want things to go the same way as they did last time. And I want to maybe want to write this down. If you are interested in the next time turning out different than the last time, you're going to have to own your own piece of the past. If you're interested in, in the next time turning out different than the last time, you're going to have to own your own piece of the past. If we're going to take full advantage of a do-over, then we have to own our part. Why don't we own our own part? Why is that? Well, let's look at who we all ultimately came from, Adam and Eve. This literally, guys, starts at the very beginning. So, like, how come we don't own our own part? Let's actually look at the DNA of the very first man and woman who ever walked the earth. Let's take a look at their story, shall we? God creates the perfect world. But in Genesis 1.27, Bible says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female. God gives one rule. Genesis 2.16 and 17 says this. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, that's pretty heavy. But he also doesn't mince any words. If you eat from this, you're going to die. If you eat from this, it's not going to go well. Don't do it. You can have whatever you want. Don't, do, don't eat from this tree. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when someone tells me don't do something, I start to go, well, what is it over there? Hmm, that's interesting. The second you say no, don't, now he's like, yeah, I know. Um, the second you say don't do this, we get curious. We want to find out what's that all about. It started from the very beginning. God can't make, God can't make it any clearer. He literally says don't do it or you'll die. Now, here's where we get to the fall. The fall. Satan deceives Eve. So Satan deceives Eve, and there's where you get the very first sin, okay? She, he comes in, and he convinces her, just, take, just eat from this fruit, you'll be fine. She does it, and then she convinces Adam to do it. We're going to read that in Genesis 3, 8, 13, 8 through 13. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. God called to the man where the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, I want to pause for here for just a minute because this is very important uh, right here. God knows that's, that Adam blew it. But if you notice, he says, where are you? He's actually asking where. He knows exactly where he is, but says, where are you? Now, this is a God we don't normally see too, too much of. Not like in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you see a little bit uh, different of God. He's, he's a little bit more, you, you get in the scriptures, he gets a little bit more. There's wrath and there's, there's his, um, you know, he, he allows certain things to happen that he does it later on after Jesus comes. But this is who God is. From the very, very first sin, from the very, very first sin, he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? What does that mean? That means I want to engage in a conversation with you. I already told you if you eat from this, you're going to die. But he doesn't immediately kill Adam. Why? Because God is love. And so the very first example we see of somebody blowing it, God says, where are you? Let's talk. That is who God is. From the very first sin, from the very first one, Adam, let's talk. Verse 10, he answered, 
I heard you in the garden, and, and this is Adam, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he hid, uh, and, and he hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Okay, now this is where Adam goes, I'm busted. Like, now he knows. Like, this is a typical parents, you know what this is. Why are you so scared? What's the matter? Did you do what I asked you not to do when you clearly know that's what happened? That's what God is saying right now to Adam. Well, how do you know you meant what happened? I don't understand. What's going on? Let's talk. Adam knows he's busted. What does Adam do when he knows he is busted? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We got theologians right here. The man said, well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So here's where Adam, the very first time someone says, it wasn't me, he literally throws her under the bus. And he kind of blames God. He's like, well, the woman you gave to me, because I didn't technically ask for her, but you gave her to me, she did it, and she made me do it. So this is really between you guys. I'll be over here, and this is something that you guys really should work out. He kind of just takes, I didn't do it. Very first man, remember this, very first man. Now, does Eve take the responsibility? Let's see. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the, certain, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Again, not my fault. Uh, she's looking at Adam like, thanks, dude. And then she's like, uh, the serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So it's, up, it's, it's between you guys. Constantly taking off the attention from us messing up. Now, did Adam tell the truth? Yes. Did he tell the whole truth? No. You cannot blame your way into a better future. And I know a lot of us have tried that. But you cannot blame your way into a better future. You can't. You can't share a narrative that you feel should be the truth and then put that off as the truth. That's what gets us in trouble most of the time. We don't want to be at fault, so we create a false narrative about the situation and say, well, that's really the truth, when it isn't, and we never grow. We stay the same. We get the same results over and over and over. Why? Because we don't own our own stuff. Blame guarantees that our next time will be like our last time. But if you want better results, stop blaming that our next time will be the last. When we hide, when we don't take our part, it guarantees that our next time will be the last. But when we blame or deny our part, we get to pretend that it wasn't. It wasn't my bad decision. It wasn't my poor choices. It wasn't my fault. We still keep doing that. And when we get to pretend that it didn't happen or I had nothing to do with it. But what now? Now, how do we stop the blame game? Now, you're saying, okay, well, Pastor James, you're saying that that's what we do. And it started from Adam and Eve. And then, okay, great. But how do we stop it? What is it that we do to stop doing this? Okay, what now? Jesus answered, has something to say about this. In Luke 6, 37, 41 through 42, it says this. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Stop judging. That's what we do sometimes, don't we? When we don't want to look at our own stuff, we look to solve everybody else's problems. 
I don't want to deal with it, so let me solve your problem because you've got, uh, your life's messed up, so let me help you. But I don't want to look at my stuff. And honestly, Christians, we've gotten this wrong a lot. Now, human nature says that we're going to get it wrong, but for some reason, people look at us differently if you are a believer in Christ. You are supposed to be held to a different standard. So when you go and judge everybody, they're going to think that the Christians are people that judge everybody. That couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus is saying, don't do it. I'm commanding you, don't do it. Look at this, the, the plank in your own eye. And that's honestly what we have to come to grips with. And I'll be very honest with you. I did not like church as a kid. I had a hard time going. It was very rough for me. My parents insisted that we went. My brother followed the rules, and he went like he was supposed to. Me, not so much. I would pretend I was sick or do other things. And I had a hard time going. Why did I have a hard time going? Because I couldn't relate to the guy who was talking. He was perfect, and I wasn't. I had struggles, and I had sins, and I had things that I didn't like about myself. So when I sat there and I listened to that guy, I said, I can't be as good as that guy. Nobody could be as good as that guy. So I'll pretend I'm as good as that guy for an hour while I'm here, and then I'll go be myself. And I was creating a false narrative. I was just not wanting to, to deal with it. And I just didn't like going. We have this incredible ability to blame, deny, rationalize, minimize, hide, judge, and become totally self-righteous. But Jesus stops us in our tracks and says, hey, there may be a speck in your brother's eye, but you cannot ignore that plank in your own. Now, when we are looking... For when we are looking for a do-over, a second chance, we have to recognize our propensity to deny, hide, or blame. We've got to. Then we have to do what Jesus told us and say, I'm going to do my own part and take my own part first. When we deal with our past baggage, it allows us to move into the life that God has for us. When I admit what I was, God responds with what I could be. When I admit what I was, God responds with what I could be. Something different. Something new. We get scared that when we own our part, that we'll become branded as that forever. And that's not how God responds to us. God is a God that is always looking at the next time and not the last time. Oftentimes, and this is a really big one, oftentimes, guys, we look at um, our past, and God doesn't do that. We look at what's going on in our past, and we think, gosh, I can't possibly go to church. Because if I go to church, and they find out what I drank last night, or watched last night, or said last night, or did last night, then nobody's going to want me. So I have to pretend like I'm somebody else so that I feel accepted. And we don't own anything. God's like, I already forgave that stuff. I'm looking at the next time, and the next time says, you are going to do some incredible things for me. Look there, not there. That's what God is saying. That's what he is giving us. He is looking at the next time. Now, how many of you may be a little hard to deal with, have a hard time with relationships, spend time gossiping and judging? And why? Because we want others to feel as lousy and guilty as we do. We are still holding on to our mistakes when God has already let it go. He's already let it go. And I think it's time for us to do that too. In fact, next week, I'm just giving you a little teaser for next week. Next week, we're talking about our do-over. It is about how do you forgive yourself? I know a lot of you are coming in here holding on to some stuff, and you're thinking, I just can't forgive myself. I just went too far. I just did too much. Wrong. We're going to talk about that next week. But Psalms 32, 1 through 2 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one 
whose sin in the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Meaning, if you blow or you will blow it, you want God's peace over you. Own your For me, sometimes I find myself owning my stuff when it's easy to own. I just gave you guys an example of when I'm driving in the car and I gave you that example and the guy gave me that inappropriate gesture. I don't know why, but um, I gave you that example. But let me get a little bit more real with you guys, okay? If I may expect you guys to be real with me, this is the thing. I'm going to be real with you guys. I have got somebody uh, right now in my family that I have not talked to in years. Nobody knows how to hurt you like family. Because they're the ones that you grew up with. They're the ones that you know. Now, my folks, they, uh, my mom passed away in 2010. My dad passed away in 2012. And when your parents pass away, it changes the dynamics of the family. Because oftentimes, the parents are the glue to that family. So it changes the entire dynamics of it. And once you start to get that involved, it starts to do the blame game. You didn't do as much for mom or dad as much as I did. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Therefore, I should get this and you should get that. And all of a sudden, it all goes to nobody's owning their stuff. They are too busy telling other people how to be good, how to be right. And I got caught up in it. And I forfeited a relationship with a family member. Now, if I were to tell you guys everything that happened, if I were to give you guys all the details, you'd all be on my side. <laughs> but that wouldn't help me because I would still not own it. But that's what we do. We go and we tell other people this stuff, and they go, I can't believe you were treated like that. Right? That gives me the reason and the, the justification to never own my stuff because I'm right. All of you agreed with me. But if I really dive in, ask myself the hard questions, there's some stuff that I should probably be owning. And I don't know how to start. I don't. It's been years. In fact, I'd invite you to pray for me. I, I, need, a, I need help with that. It's been years. But it's one of those things where I have to own and take part in. And I think maybe if you're honest with yourself, Maybe there's some things that you need to own. Maybe in a relationship or somewhere where you, for years you've made excuses why it's not your fault. But maybe you should be owning that. You want to do over with God? You got to own your stuff. You got to own your stuff of the past. To make peace with the past, you have to own your peace of the past. Guys, I wasn't, I was planning on kind of sharing this. I didn't know if I should. I've done it once before in a message, and it was actually pretty emotionally hard for me, to be honest with you. And I was praying about, like, what, am, what can I say about this and owning your part, and, and, and how, can I, how, can I, how can I do that? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that's, that's uh, very personal, but I'm sharing this with you for a specific reason. I want you to, to hear this, and I'm praying and hoping that it can change um, when, uh, when you're in your life, and you're going about your life, and Maybe owning your own part. So here I go. So my parents, they get divorced. Uh, I'm 13 years old. They get divorced. My dad listens to some terrible advice, and he leaves our family. He comes into my room, and he says, um, you're now going to be the man of the house. I'm, I'm gone. Um, he gives my mom papers at her work, and she had no idea this was coming. I am trying to be there for her, help her as she's crying where I can't even understand what she's saying. 
I'm 13 years old. And I'm suddenly the man of the house. My brother had moved out. I didn't necessarily have a strong relationship with my sister. And my brother and my, my dad is, is gone. And I was scared. 13 years old, you, you, wind hits the windows. You don't know if somebody's breaking in. You're scared. It's a weird thing. But I noticed that my mom would constantly be praying for my dad. And when I say constantly be praying, I don't mean like praying that he would get hit by a truck or something. Um, I, I mean like praying that, 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 that he, would be, uh, he would be okay. Literally. Like she was constantly praying for God's protection over him. And so I was noticing that, but I was noticing that my dad wasn't doing that. My dad was not owning his part of the, the, the deal. My dad was constantly telling me, well, I would have more money if your mom would have just done this. I would still be married if your mom would have just done this. I saw two different examples of how they were dealing with this tragedy. One was giving this to God and praying for him, who was the one that left. And he was saying, I would still be here had it not been for your mother. And it got really, really rough. Well, fast forward, my dad, he, he actually ends up blowing all of the money that my mom had given him in the settlement. And uh, my mom starts with nothing. She re rebuilds a business, and it becomes very successful. It does very well for herself. So he has nothing. So pretty soon, he starts coming back around, and he wants to be her friend, and he wants to start talking to her. Now, for me, this is great news. Because it's like, as you, if you're from a divorced family, if you're divorced, or if you're a child of parents of divorce, uh, I, I'm praying for you. It is a very difficult season. It's hard. Um, but uh, it was when he started coming back around, I was like, cool, no more two Christmases, no more two Thanksgivings, no more going here and going there. This was kind of cool. They're getting along. This is great. And I loved it. And, we, and it was, I, I was like reliving this fantasy of having this family that was all intact. And I was so happy. And, you know, fast forward, this is going on for year after year after year to almost 20 years after they got divorced. They're getting very close, and they're hanging out all the time. And I was so excited. I couldn't even stand it. So I go to my mom, and I say, um, Mom, I just talked to Dad. I've got great news, and he wants to move back in here. This is like almost 20 years later, and they hang out all the time. And I'm thinking she's, and I'm thinking, I'm selling this. This is great. We get a family again. This is awesome. I think this is what God wants. And she said, no. And I'm like, well, maybe I didn't say it correctly. Um, I really want this, and I know you really want this, and you guys don't have to be alone. And he says he wants to take care of you. And she said, take care of me. And I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Evidently, you know. And I'm getting nothing, and I'm, uh, so she's like, um, no. And I'm getting more, now I'm getting mad. Now I'm getting frustrated. Like, now I think you're being a little judgmental here. He wants to take care of you. Yes, I know he doesn't have anything and you've got this big house, but I really, really think that you uh, should, 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 should reconsider this. And she didn't even give me a long answer. She just goes, no. And now I'm going, you know what? I'm sorry, mom, but I'm really disappointed in you. I think you're really judgmental right now. And I'm really sad that you're not even going to give this opportunity a second chance. And she kind of smiled. And she says, um, James, your dad hasn't changed. I'm sorry to tell you that. And I go, yeah, he has. He's here all the time. He's helping you all the time. She goes, no, son, no, he hasn't. I wish he did, but he hasn't. I go, what gives you the right to say that? I don't understand how you could say that. She goes, his circumstances have changed. He doesn't have anywhere to go. And I'll take it. If he wants to be nice to me, I'll take it. But he hasn't changed. And I said, why? Why? I want to know one good reason why. 
And I'll never forget this. She looked at me with tears in her eyes. She said, after 20 years, he has never said, I'm sorry. I was like, waiting for something bigger. I was like, what? He's never said, I'm sorry. I go, that's all you wanted? She goes, that's all I've ever wanted. I'm like, well, can't he just come in and say sorry really quick? She goes, no, no, no. He wouldn't mean it. He has to own this. For years, he has been allowed to live this false narrative. And he's never owned it. He's never said, I'm sorry. That's all she wanted. All he had to do was say sorry and mean it and own it. And he wouldn't. Not long after she, she got leukemia and, and, uh, and uh, she ended up passing away in 2010. And after she died, my dad um, had a terrible, terrible time. Um, he had a terrible time dealing with it. We moved him closer. It didn't work. He was a shell of himself. And he wanted her, he was, he was really depressed. He was in a total state of depression. He ended up having a stroke. My brother found him uh, in his apartment and rushed him to the hospital. And he, for a while, couldn't see anything. We knew that we didn't have much longer with him. And so I went to see him uh, right before Thanksgiving of 2012. And I'll never forget this. He said two things to us when we were there. The girls were barely born. I knew he still had a sense of humor. He could barely talk. But I said, uh, he heard the girls. And I said, Dad, what do you want to say to me? I knew I didn't have him along with him. And he said, um, barely could hear understand. He says, uh, and our girls' names are Piper and Phoebe, okay? Uh, he said, and I, I'm like leaning his eye, take care of fiber and pee-pee. <laughs> and then he like kind of did his best smile. Like, okay, guys, Chuck, you got your sense of humor. This is good. Um, I go, Dad, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want to fight? Do you want to stay here? What do you want? What do you want? And I could not understand him. I couldn't understand what he was saying. His speech was so slurred. And all I could make out was, be with your mom. That's all he wanted. He ended up, he ended up passing away a couple days later. Friends, he could have had that 20 years earlier if he would have just owned his stuff. He could have. He had one of the saddest lives I've ever seen anybody have toward the end of that life. And he could have had such a different life if he would have just owned his stuff. This isn't me that's saying this. This is what God is saying. God is saying this. God is saying, look, I know you're going to blow it. Stop pretending like you're not. Stop. Everybody in the church, stop pretending like you got it all figured out. You don't. That's why you need me. This is his church, not mine. I appreciate you coming and saying, I like your church, but it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. It's his church. And what he says is, don't judge. Own your stuff. It's not easy. I get this wrong too, like I told you. That's why I gave you an example for me. I, it's not easy, but... When we don't, we are forfeiting so much that he has for us. I don't want you to live this life. I'm telling you that story so that you don't make those same mistakes. He has got something so amazing for you. Stop living in the past and start looking at the future of what he has for you. Own it. (sighs) 
want to um, just leave you with this. I know we talked about this before, but own your piece of the past so the past doesn't own your future. Own your piece of the past so your past doesn't own the future. This is a safe place, guys. This is a place where you can come and be who you are and say whatever you want. You can come meet with me. I would love to meet with you. Like I said, I'm all over Dana Point and Laguna Beach and Laguna Niguel and Ladera Ranch and Rancho Viejo. I'm all over the place, Lisa Viejo. So if you need to meet, let's meet. But we are, make, we are starting something. We're building something, and it's real. This is in this community. It's real. This is authentic relationships that we are going to be real. And God is going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory for a bunch of regular people coming together and saying, I want to do something extraordinary in this community that will last longer than this, my, this life that I have right now. I am going to affect generations because I'm not going to be scared of being who God made me to be, and I'm going to go out and do something about it. As I talked to you last week, you are going to be training new campuses. You are going to be a part of building God's kingdom. We, to, to, do, to be who God wants us to be, we've got to be real with each other, though. And I want to encourage you. If you're struggling with something, if you're going through something, let's meet. Let's talk. And let's, let's be a family. Let's be a family. Let's pray. Father, I know, God, that right now there are some people that are that are struggling right now. They're struggling with where they are in a relationship. They're struggling with what you want them to do. They're struggling with loss of job. They're struggling with um, relationship issues, marriage issues, issues with kids, health issues. Father, help us to just trust you, God, in all of these things and know that you have good plans for us, plans to prosper, Father. You're not here to hurt us or to judge us or to condemn us, but you're here to help us. And, Father, help us to be that light in this community. That people will know that South Hills over there in Dana Point, yeah, they're known for love. Yeah, they're known for second chances. They're known for having a do-over. They're known for being loving and accepting and grace-filled. They're known for not having it all figured out, but they're known for trusting God. We want, that, we want to be known for that. And Father God, I just pray for every single person here that they would know how incredibly valued they are to you. This is your church. It belongs to you. You said take care of my sheep, feed my lambs. This is your church, God. And we are humbly giving this back to you, God, and giving you all of these uh, requests and us uh, together. It's in your name. Go into this week, God, that knowing that none of us have to do this alone, that we're all in this together. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor James. Wasn't that a great message? Yeah. That was awesome. This is a great start to this church. I mean, doing a do-over, I mean, this is the place to do it. This is the place to have a do-over. And I know James just gave you his phone number. He's going to be blowing up all week. But you don't just have to go to him. There are people here that can help you, pray with you, love on you as well. And I'm one of those people. So as his phone blows up this week. Don't, don't bombard him if you don't have to. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to walk with you and just go through life with you and start have that do-over. And if you want to own something you don't know who to say, say it to me. I want to own it with you. So we're going to continue to worship right now by giving our offering. You have uh, this little envelope. You can do it online. You can do it push pay or just drop it in the bucket that's going to be passing around and uh, enjoy one more song before we go.
church sing it out
God is good. God is good. Come on, James. Let him out. All right. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for, for being here. Next week, we are going to talk about do-over and, and what does it look like to be able to forgive yourself. We know God's already forgiven us. Some of us have to let it go, forgive ourselves, and move forward with the life God has for us. So we're going to talk about that next week. Let's pray. God, thanks for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing. This is incredible, uh, this incredible start to what you're doing. Uh, God, only you do this, and we're giving you all the glory. And, uh, God, we are so thankful for all the relationships that are going to be starting. God, I'm excited for my phone to blow up this week and get to know this family. It's in your name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. I'm picking.